What's up, people? Welcome to a brand new episode of Wrestle Update. I'm your host, Dylan Fox, as always, joined by Nella de Angelis. We are back. We took a little time off. We had a week or so extra off, and now we're back. You have graciously made some time because you, you know, you are killing it right now in the video game sector. You're doing big things. You're doing great things, but you still can't go away. I, you know, you still couldn't quite escape the Wrestle Update fam. We need you. And you showed up for us. So we really appreciate that, though. <laughs> What's up? Yeah, no, Wrestle Update is the it's the family. I'm happy to be part of it. Um, very happy we're able to find the time this morning to to chop it up. So thank you, as always, for being so flexible. I'm very excited to catch up on the C2 and chat deadline. That's right. Uh, I'm going to save deadline for the end because I have a, a very secret special announcement. Very I haven't cool. told anybody about this. But uh, you, Nello, you, Nello, are literally the first. Uh, and obviously all the listeners of Wrestle Update are also the first. Uh, so you get cool stuff if you listen to the show uh, on that end. But yeah, AEW right now. What what a few weeks it's been for this company. Definitely headlined, at least by me, for the Continental Classic, which we have covered from the beginning. Uh, and given our thoughts on it, we had our predictions, we had our thoughts going into it and now we come in uh, everything going on in the tournament there was a lot there just an overall feeling where are you at right now with the cc um i it's my favorite thing on AEW right now like it successfully got me back into watching weekly television uh, I watched Rampage this week for the first time in yeah. months. Um, you know, uh, some of the other stuff on the shows is cool. Um, I'm actually really enjoying the Julia Hart Abaddon feud. I think there, it, it's cool to see other storylines going on in the women's division. But I've really been liking the the C2. I would say if there's one thing I think it's lacking, it's just more. More drama, I guess, a little more drama. But, you know, for the first year, just because it's, um, I don't know, maybe the the Gold League, right? There's like a little or Gold League really feels like it's Mox or Swerve. Blue League feels like it could be a couple different people. But um, I don't know, having that that tension sort of to the end in like a classic G1 is very fun. Like, oh, my God, who's it going to be? But uh, this Wednesday tonight should be a huge decider. I'm very excited for Swerve Mox. Um, but yeah, like outside of Lethal or J and J, I can't really think of any matches I haven't liked, and I've loved more than I've you know haven't. What about yeah, you? Absolutely, it's been a totally necessary part of, of the promotion. Uh, promotion, in my opinion, uh, when you look up and down on a lot of stuff they've been doing, obviously we're gonna you know we're gonna talk about a very similar angle to this on NXT that they played up on uh, at Deadline, but. The devil stuff is so not what I like in, in wrestling, pretty much. I don't think that's been handled especially well, uh, you know, overall. So that and that's the main angle. So you, when you're doing that, um, I think that you're kind of having a, you're in a you're in a tough spot when you your main storyline is not really hitting right now for me. Uh, but besides that, then you look at the tournament itself, and there's been a few episodes this month where. You know, the tournament's been most of the matches, and I think that's really helped, and that's a good thing, because like you said, pretty much everything 
when it comes to the tournament is at least pretty good. You know, even the worst. I mean, like you said, that J and J match was boring and the the crowd took it over <laughs> with the J chance and everything going like that. But it still wasn't bad. You know, you, you can do a lot worse. And I think that the tournament has done a good job of giving us something pretty quality every week. Uh, I agree with what you said about the Gold League. They played it really conservative, and you had some interesting guys there. They didn't really take advantage of too much. You're not seeing any big upsets. But I do like how they've grown. We, we talked about it after our first couple of shows on the CC. Uh, one of the things I wanted them to do was to give these guys promos to set up their matches and make them mm. feel bigger. And they've done that. And I think that's a good thing. And like you said, tonight's match with uh, Mox and Swerve, that's basically the biggest match of the tournament. They hyped it up that way last week. Uh, they've been two of the biggest stars and the best wrestlers in the tournament as well. So it makes perfect sense when you think about how they've held, held it up. Uh, I know it's been said that they did some good things on Collision uh, this week in terms of the ratings, uh, which is always a big uh, you know, speaking point on this show. Uh, on these shows, and I think the tournament's a big part of that as well. So, uh, despite Tony Khan, uh, uh, you know, declaring war on his fans seemingly at the last press conference, uh, they did seem to heed those words. I think they put their money where their mouth is and <laughs> watched this stuff as he's as he wanted. So, who won in the end? I guess I don't know, but I'm just thankful for the tournament itself. It's making these work. Uh, the women's division, you got Tony Storm doing the timeless Tony Star stuff. The tournament's just different than everything else on the show, and I think that's great. Yeah, uh, overall, feels a lot like early on AEW, where it was just that weirdo buffet, you know. And I think lately it's been a lot more sort of veering towards sports entertainment or kind of like vet stories in the sense of uh, Christian Edge, which I actually loved that match. Um, and the Shayna Wade thing was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the match was okay until the, until that part was like really, I honestly think it's something like that because they have edge and Christian because Christian's so damn great about everything that he does. I actually kind of want them to push it even further. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Sorry to interrupt, but like, if this is a few that doesn't have these types of characters, this is total shit. But because like, Christian is a character like everything he does is kind of total shit in a very good way yeah um that this I think it vibes right but um you know this wouldn't work like if this is an outcast thing take me out um <laughs> yeah I, I like I said I want this to go over the top I I think the next angle should end with Edge laid out Christian making out with Nick Wayne's mom and then build this all building to a wedding angle this the same night as Sting's retirement. I, I want Christian to try to upstage Sting, try and marry Nick Wayne's mom. I want, like, let's just go full throttle wrestling with this a- angle. Don't worry about realism because it's so stupid that it's, you, you know, once she turned on him, it was just so ridiculous. So you might as well just go all the way with it and let's see what Christian can make out of it and maybe do a little bit better than uh, Miro and Lana's. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. Okay. So, Real quick. Yeah. Um, I was going to say uh, Christian, right? He, he and MJF are so similar, I feel like, and especially their storylines. But Christians, for me, are just fun. And MJFs feel very satirical, I guess you could say. And there's like this this difference between the two because like their approaches are very similar, it feels like. 
in terms of like playing on the tropes, you know, like the shit where it's like, what kind of champion would hold up a belt that's not even theirs? You know, just all that like snide, snide witty shit or whatever. And like anytime I watch a Christian or an MJF match, I'm like, Christian gets it. And I feel like MJF just, I don't know. Uh, I'm still like anything on the show involving him, like the whole devil thing with the, the tag match and him being laid out is just so dumb. Um, the Miro promo when he came up to Lana, uh, it was fascinating to learn that Miro's gimmick isn't redeemer. It's just misogynist. Like that was one of the weirdest, dumbest, yeah. just most uncomfortable, shitty segments. And I don't, it was so tone deaf and it, it like, it was the worst Miro promo I've ever heard in my life. The way he performed, but lady, you are my queen. You should be home cooking. If I am out killing, like, it was just this caveman shit, dude. And it was like, this is the guy who's been cutting these promos. And like, if this is what's at the core of it, then the character sucks. And, and like I said, there's been talk that this could turn into some kind of rehash of the angle they did in WWE pretty much where um, we're going to see Cuck Miro <laughs> in the near future, uh, which hopefully doesn't play out. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors that uh, a lot of people on the roster – and I believe this, too, because so many people worked with him and were probably friends with him. A lot of people are pushing for them to sign Dolph, like Ziggler, and bring him into AEW. And that could be something where they look, because they work together. They had Lana and Dolph as a couple, a horrible couple with no chemistry in, in WWE. But they're trying to go back with their old storylines. And it's like, man, this guy, like you said, Miro is a great promo. He's not some geek that they put out there doing this stupid gimmick. He's a great promo, but then they did their thing, and it was just – it was goofy. And like Christian, I mean, listen, his literal name of his faction is called Patriarchy, you yeah. know, and yet he has done that in such a better way than what we saw with Miro, I would say. So that goes to your point. Christian can just make anything work. <laughs> no, again, much. Christian has this self-awareness that I think – MJF loses by trying to inject the psychology, right? Yeah. Of like Adam Cole saying five more minutes when it has nothing to do with time. Um, and then Miro lacks the self-awareness in terms of like, he thinks this character's cool. It feels like, you know, <laughs> Christian is a very, like Christian is a character, right? That he is absolutely nailed. Um, and it's like when you turn off the show, there's like no nothing in my head where I'm like, that's who Christian is. But this makes me believe this is who Miro is off screen. <laughs> um, but no, I will not. I will not take that lying down. <laughs> this man is a Nashville Predators fan. Uh, <laughs> he has to be a good person. I may, maybe he'll be like I said. What if it turns out that he that he goes with the cuck angle again? Does that does that make him a cuck in real life? What do you just, think? No comment, man. I just don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like it's Miro's promo. It was like the it was like a promo version of Loki's personality is what it felt like. You know, (laughs) like when I just look Loki in the eyes, that's how I that's how it feels. Um, But oh, sorry. Go back to to go back to the C2 real quick. I feel like the match quality as well has only been improving. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah, totally agree. If if you look at the matches, um, I, I just wanted to bring up some matches from December since we crossed the month here cool. uh, we can talk about. I mean, look right away where you have these really big matches uh, up and down on here. And 
you know, like, so, for example, this past week even, we'll just short this to there, uh, Dynamite, you had Moxley versus Roosh, uh, and Jay versus Jay, like, like we said, we didn't like that that much, uh, but the Moxley and Roosh match was good, uh, the finish was very silly, I thought, with him, like, not, like, not raising the arm fast enough, and Roosh was like, what the fuck, and, you know, he was like, hey, I wasn't out, why did you call the match, and I was like, it was just such a really silly finish, I would say, uh, but it was a good match overall, really hard-hitting, I didn't think it was as good as the match with Roosh and Mark Briscoe, which was one of the best matches of the tournament. That match was a banger. And I think the Swerve and Mark Briscoe match, which came after, was even better. I mean, that match ruled so much. Mark Briscoe, man, that guy has been good all throughout this tournament. And he was a guy that nobody really thought was going to be in. He wasn't on anybody's wish list. But he's delivered every single time out. And you were so right when, when they announced the participants and he was, like, one of the best guys to put in there. Uh, and Swerve is just a champ, man. The only issue with him is he's, like, he's so good that he's turning babyface in the tournament, which is a stark change from, like, breaking into people's houses and stuff <laughs> where we were at before the tournament started. Uh, but the crowd loves this guy. And why wouldn't you love him? In the tournament, he, he's awesome. No, he has been just anytime he walks out now, I'm like, that needs to be the world champion full stop. Like there's there's no one else in this company right now that I think deserves it more or is more ready for the role than him outside of like, you know, even like your Danielsons and your Moxies like these guys are great right now. But like Swerve needs that fucking spot. Um, Him versus Briscoe, definitely one of my favorite matches so far of the tournament. Um it's always funny to see Briscoe like do these crazy moves to the outside. And then I'm like, isn't that how MJF got injured? <laughs> it's Jay White match. Uh, but it's just like Briscoe's typical signature move. Um, but uh, that was actually the first match I thought was going to go to a draw, surprisingly, because they were clicking up. The, they were clocking up the time. They were talking about the time limit on commentary. But holy shit, the amount of false finishes. Briscoe was so good. Um I'm trying to think like so far in December, probably some of my favorite matches, I would say Eddie and Claudio. I thought that one was better than their first match for the ROH title. I liked it more um, like the whole finishing sequence of the the back fist into the uppercut. And then Eddie immediately just back fists him again was so awesome. Just like it was just great. Um, and then yeah, Danielson that, that, and Garcia. That, that. Yeah, that was on uh, Collision, the uh, Eddie and, and Claudio match as mm-hmm. well. Uh, that wasn't a Dynamite. Then you had uh, Danielson and Garcia uh, that you were about to mention. That was on Rampage. That was the match that should have happened on uh, the first night, but they moved the matches around uh, on Collision, remember? Because Brian missed the first night of the tournament on Collision. Yep. Uh, so now they have this match on Rampage. Oh, uh, yeah, what would you think about it? Talk to him. I loved everything about it. Garcia coming out in his old gear. Um, it was, dude, him having his dance is his version of Naito's Stardust Press. Brilliant. Um, like how it was the final move was him hitting his dance and then they both run at each other. And then Danielson co- connects with the knee instead of Garcia. And it was just like poetry in motion. It was so hard hitting. There was those strike exchanges towards the end that were like just reminding me of like a Keno Nakajima bout. Um, 
you know, I like that they also, in terms of the booking, just tried to, you know, subtly protect Brian or whatever, but putting this the night before Danielson and Andrade as well and hyping up or amping up the, you know, Danielson's having to compete back to back nights. Couldn't even, can he can even survive this? Um, I thought that was smart and added another ripple as well. And I don't know, this was the match that I think Daniel Garcia needed so bad. Um, and my favorite type of wrestling matches are the ones that you can just feel in total dialogue with like history while still being like, like while still carving in their own new entry. And that's definitely what Danielson and Garcia felt like to me. Yeah. You know, I was so impressed with that match too. Uh, To me, if you look at Brian's tournament, he to me has been the best guy just purely in wrestling when it comes to Eddie Garcia and Andrade, just everything this guy does is just golden. And Garcia stepped up so much and showed it. They had great matches before um, when they wrestled their series, uh, you know, last year when he was really, uh, you know, trying to determine if he was a real wrestler or a Jericho guy. But here, like you said, with the placement of it, with the timing of it, uh, it was needed now more than ever for Garcia to have this this level of match, and Danielson can deliver it against pretty much anybody, and Garcia totally held his own, and had to that point the best match of the tournament, in my opinion, which would last for one night, because I thought his next match was even better uh, on Collision. Uh, you mentioned Eddie and Claudio. That match was freaking awesome, too. Claudio's another guy. Like, consistent against everybody. It doesn't matter who he's wrestling. He's going to bring the best out of him. He's a guy that has great skills, whether it's the technical game, the stuff with the big swing you could work around, the power is unbelievable. He's just freaking awesome. And Kingston, like you said, that even that uh, sequence that you mentioned, that was so heavily influenced by, you know, King's Road style that you could, you know, right now I'm, I'm editing Fire Pro. I'm not playing right now, but I have to edit the roster because I haven't played in a while, so I'm trying to update everybody. (laughs) This exact sequence could be in Fire Pro as a moveset. Like the back and forth with the back fist, the the European uppercut, and then (laughs) the back fist again. Um, It was really well done. The whole match was great. And then the main event of that show with uh, Andrade and Brian, I just love that match. I thought this was another match, Andrade... I don't know if he needs it because half the time you wonder if he even wants to like you know, be there. Like he's just trying to get fired half the time. It seems like, but it, from a character perspective and as a fan perspective, he really needed it. I, I thought because he hadn't been doing a lot that was stand out in a long, long time. And I thought he really came in again. Brian is just no one can touch this guy in the ring. It's not even fair to compare anybody else. Even. Even some of the best workers in the world can't compare to him, in my opinion. He's so far above that he's just awesome. And they had a great hard-hitting match once again. And they even uh, went in and gave Andrade the the victory here, which was a nice little twist here. I wasn't expecting that too much. But that was great booking because it evened the odds of the tournament. And like you said, now it seems like they're they're giving chances for pretty much anybody in the block to win. I still feel... Right now, the way things are going with the two losses early, I'm feeling pretty good. Well, first, you talk about the the Andrade and Brian match. What do you think? So this was the only match that I did not catch. Um, I ran out of time. 
but I've heard amazing things. Like my friend Kevin texted me after and he said Sorry something for like, no, you, dude, you're okay. He was like, Danielson is such a fucking sicko. He doesn't care if any part of him <laughs> is broken or something like that. And my immediate thought, I was like, so Andrade worked over the eye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm very excited. I'm going to probably catch it uh, after Dynamite tonight. But, dude, again, like and he they got me to watch Rampage and they had me excited watching Rampage. Um, and like that episode of Rampage, sorry to say Rampage so many times, yeah, but no. I thought that they actually monopolized on it a little bit, you know, like um, in terms of the moving the Abaddon and Julius Fort's story forward. And this is coming from someone that assumes that there's never any story stuff on Collision, Sans Santana or, or Ortiz. <laughs> but uh, even like seeing the Don Callis family, albeit for a second, I genuinely yeah. <laughs> forgotten about them. And I still cannot like anytime I hear that entrance music for the lack of a better term, I just am like minded that someone in the back has agreed to one of the worst creative decisions I've ever seen implemented. Like it's the shittiest thing in the company. I think like it, it it's one of the shittiest things in wrestling is this Don Callis family. Now um, as poor guys in there, and yeah, sucks. It really sucks. <laughs> and this is where it's gotten them to. <laughs> like a six minute match with Daniels and Seidel on Rampage. Yeah, really um, establishing their dominance here. I mean, these are the heavy hitters you go to. You go to uh, Takeshita and Hobbs, man. Such great talents, both of them. Uh, obviously, especially Takeshita was just having bangers. And it makes even less sense because he literally went from like, He's beaten Omega like he got a big win over his rival to like now we don't see him for three months. And then he he reemerges mysteriously on Rampage fighting Matt Seidel. No, and that's the thing, right, is, you know, people like Nero who aren't in the C2 and stuff like that because, you know, someone's a goal they don't want to lose. It's like Daniel Garcia and Mark Briscoe have lost every match. And gained from, from, from it so much. Yeah, they are leagues ahead of where anyone else is right now that's not in this tournament, pretty much. Yeah, and that's a great point. Like, really, this tournament, they've de facto become the stars of the show <laughs> outside of, like, the MJF and the, the Christian stuff, <laughs> pretty much. These guys are the ones everyone's talking about, everyone's focused on. I really like how they've – this is another thing I, I brought up in the first episode – I really like how they've talked about the tournament, like on commentary and things like that. They've really done a good job establishing it in a good way. You have to give hats off to the commentary team, I think, uh, for how they've handled it. But obviously the direction of Tony Khan and everybody uh, to get them on the right track. Uh, I think they've really done a great job of making this tournament seem like a big deal. They, they didn't – I hope that they don't – they haven't yet, and I hope that they don't, because there's these trolls online that are talking about how comment, uh, complicated uh, the tournament is, like the scoring table. They haven't leaned into that, and I'm glad they haven't. Like I said, I think they did it perfect, because at times AEW has been so focused on being the opposite of WWE, which is WWE, you're going to get the subtly hammer. They're going to explain everything to you in my new detail 50,000 times. Until you cannot deny it's happening. With AEW, sometimes they did stuff that wasn't that well explained. And they said, oh, yeah, he's so-and-so. Of course, everybody knows him. And I don't think that that's the right way either. 
I think with the tournament, they've handled it in a really good way that, that they've explained it. I remember they even said, hey, if you're, you know, some of the U.S. fans aren't familiar <clears throat> with the round robin system, <clears throat> this is how it works. They've been cool about it. They didn't hit you over the head with it. I think they did a really good job uh, of how they've handled the tournament in terms of the aesthetics of it. And they've gotten better. Like you said, everything about the tournament has gotten better every week, in my opinion, <clears throat> from the aesthetics, the matches, the promos they started to give guys. I mean – it's really all been good stuff. I, I like what I've seen of the tournament. It's been great. Uh, the MJF stuff. And like I said, we both like the Christian stuff, even though the finish of that was so ridiculous. Uh, it still works because it's Christian and, and he's so great. Um, the MJF stuff, I'm definitely out on. I totally agree with everything you said. Uh, just to see the just to see the visuals of the guys and all the black shirts and all that stuff, it was just like totally retribution all over again. I don't know why they like. Why did they go this route? I don't know. I suppose. I mean, again, we're going to talk about on NXT in a little bit. There's value in any kind of mystery storyline, right? Because it gets people talking. We speculate on who it is. But at this point, with the devil, they've stretched it out and, and been so inconsistent with, with how they've used the devil. You know, first they attacked Jay. Uh, you know, Jay White, his opponent. They retcon that. And then they started attacking, like, his friends. And MJF was like, anybody who gets close to me is, is a target of the devil. Uh, so they retconned their own storyline. Then they attacked MJF himself. So there's not even any real consistency with this angle at all and the storytelling that they're using. And it feels I, like <laughs> any time an MJF storyline thing happens now on TV, it feels like they read the criticism from the week before and they're like, yeah. okay, it sucked fine. And then they try to pivot and then it just keeps sucking. It's like them constantly pivoting, pivoting, pivoting. And it's just bad. But okay, here's something I will say. They are plagued by injuries in yeah, this whole thing. True. Like someone asked Tony if he was going to vacate the ROH tag title since Adam Cole is injured and MJF cannot compete. And he said, it's something we're going to have to take into consideration. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is <laughs> yeah, taking into consideration? No, like, don't take it. Have... Do it. <laughs> exactly. And um, I don't know. It's just it's corny. But what do you um, what do you think are. We want to do predictions for the dynamite episode for tonight? Yeah, let's let's do that. All right. So first up, we got Brody King versus Andrade. Oh, cool. Well, okay, we get a little blue league action. Uh, dynamite. I like this. Uh, I think they've done an excellent job with Brody in the tournament. They he was the guy that got the upsets early on, uh, and I think that he that was a great role for him. Uh, I think that you don't want to halt his momentum, but Andrade is also at six too, so this is a major match. You look at the rest of the matches he has right now because he's already beat Claudio and Kingston. I could see him going on a little bit of a losing streak to come down to earth because I don't think he'll win the block as good as he's done. So I could see Andrade winning this and ending his winning streak. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Andrade as well. I um I definitely. I see Andrade and Danielson and then Mox and Swerve as the sort of two block leaders by the end of this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go Andrade. And then next we have Roosh and Jay Lethal. Yeah, Lethal, as I said, he's been kind of the low man of the tournament. But 
I always say, like, if he's the worst guy in the tournament, you can live with that. You know, and I, I think he, he that has been uh, – because, like I said, nothing he's done has been bad. His work is always very solid and clean. He's just not exciting or very interesting as a character <laughs> overall. So I think Roos should definitely win this because he is exciting and, uh, you know, interesting as a character. So I'll go with Roosh. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, also going with Roosh here. I, I don't think Lethal's going to put up any points at this point. Like his last two yeah. matches are Briscoe and Roosh. Um, you know, I think his match against Mark Briscoe will be really cool, especially, you know, pretty much on like around the year anniversary, right, of their last yeah, match. Yeah. Um, so that will be a special one and really nice as well for both guys' final match in the tournament, but I'll go Roosh here. And then speaking of upsets though, Jay White versus Mark Briscoe, I think this will be Briscoe's one win. Oh man, that would be great. And I think it would make sense to kind of knock Jay out as well. So that kind of gives Mark a big spot because they've mentioned that too on commentary, but they were like, even if you're eliminated from the tournament, you still want to play spoiler and try and you know try and get back in the tournament next year because they already said it'll come back too. So they they've already kind of set the stage for somebody eliminated to score an upset. I think this would be a perfect time for that. Mark deserves some points, man. Give, give this brother some points right now. Uh, Jay's done okay again. He hasn't been bad in the tournament by by any means, but not one of the top guys for sure. But just Mark has been really great. And I want to see him win as a fan. So I'm going to listen to my heart over my head on this one. Uh, I'm going to go follow your lead and take Mark once again. Hell yeah. Mark Briscoe team. And then this one, the hardest to call, John Moxley versus Swerve Strickland. This again, like it, you know, when like, okay, Yuya Aoki versus Yuji Okabayashi, right? You're like, yep. One of the best matches of the year. One of the best. Um, you're like, if they finally let Aoki win here, like this is that push comes to shove moment, right? And it feels like Swerve's past six months have literally just been these matches where you're like, if they have him win here, it's like it means something, right? <laughs> and here we are again, post two wins over Paige, uh, fucking post Texas death. And yeah. like, it's funny because anytime I don't know how to call it, I've said draw. But it also like I do want to shout out this tournament as well for just not. Yeah, like, that's this a good has point. Been, for a company that has been heavily critiqued for not, you know, being comfortable handing out losses to certain people. This tournament has been incredibly, incredibly decisive. And I appreciate that and without any fuckery, too, which is super cool. So I'm just hmm, looking at points. Right. If they draw here, they both go to ten. Yeah. which no one else can even win at that point unless White beats Briscoe, because then it's 10s and a 9. So here I am trying to do Gato math. I'm going to say Swerve Strickland wins this. Or you know what? I'm going to call a draw. I'm going to call a draw. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I got – again, I hate to not be different. I want to have some controversy on this show, but I think that this is a very, very likely spot that this could be the first draw of the tournament. I agree with what you said totally because that was one of my fears going to the tournament that they were going to have guys draw in and out and that's how you're going to protect them. But they haven't done that at all. Every match has been a clean finish. They've lived up to their word so far. And I just think the way they hype this up as both guys at nine, it would add more intrigue to the tournament at that point. I think that 
the draw is the way to go. And you could easily have these, you know, it's possible they both just win. Like, like they both just win all their matches, and we're looking at a tie at the end of the first block, and you could have the rubber match uh, between these two as a tiebreaker match. Uh, at the end, they both end up with uh, uh, 13, and they just fight each other to determine the winner. Oh, I like that. That's really cool. <laughs> that got me excited. <laughs> yeah, like I said, that that's what I think uh, we should do uh, on that end. But yeah, winter is coming uh, right now. We we've got good stuff on that end. I cannot wait to see what happened. Uh, yeah, we love the tournament. Some stuff is not hitting for AEW, but the tournament's so good. It, the positives greatly outweigh the negatives. Let's put it that way. I, I would argue with AEW right now. Dude, also. Just, yeah. Sorry, Roderick Strong versus Adam Page tonight. I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of bullshit, unfortunately, but we could yes. potentially get uh, a pseudo C2 banger, another one. And uh, we saw last week him take the uh, throw the throw the chair away, the wheelchair. Dude, yeah, which was so funny. <laughs> it was goofy, it was, as it was always. Goofy. I think even the fans of that stuff realize. Because now he's not just doing Adam. He's doing it with like he's trying to do it with everybody, but not not as good. Like not you know not as iconic. But he's like Renee was his. He, he wasn't able to really capture the the essence of the Adam call. So <laughs> even the fans weren't really buying that promo. They were chanting him down in French because they were in Montreal last week. I just want to see Roderick have bangers because I know this guy's one of the best workers. And Hangman, too. Like, we talked about him when we did the Full Gear deal. <laughs> like, he's been one of the hearts and souls of the company throughout. So this has every right to be a completely awesome match uh, in here. They've also added Hangman into the MJF deal a little bit. He was, like, one of the suspects last week. MJF was like, I think you did it. And Hangman was like... I think it was yourself. Like you're trying to swerve us all, and then even Tesla's like, "Well, there's been rumors. I don't know. <laughs> you know, who knows? We we didn't see him get attacked. Whatever." And so he's in, in some major stuff too. Roderick could go either way. I agree with you though. I think this will not be a clean finish. I think it'll be something with the kingdom come again <laughs> and helping Roderick get the win, and maybe even do, they do something with the devil guys somehow involved in that because MJF doesn't have a match. Uh, Joe doesn't have anything going on. We can presume there'll be some kind of promo uh, segment or an investigation or, or something like that uh, that we'll see there. But yeah, Roderick and Page, that's a great match too. Before we get into Deadline, I just want to run some news and notes by you on AEW. A couple of things I noted down we can talk about right now. And since this is also a Dynamite preview apparently, uh, another match on the show saw the return of Riho last week uh coming in uh always somebody who gets talked about a lot online positive and negatively she is back facing ruby soho what do you think about how they returned her and what do you think about her as a potential challenger for timeless tony storm are you muted I am muted. Sorry. Yeah, I'm go. really excited for Tony and Riho. I think Tony's at her best when she's facing competitors either from Japan or like who, you know, worked in Japan like a Jamie Hayter. Um, very excited for Riho to be back. Like, again, she's your first women's champion and she has such little presence on the show. Um, it's 
when she came out, I was like, thank God. And then I was looking at, you know, like Ruby Soho, who I think is a good utility player for them. But then I was looking at Sarai and I was like, what a poor investment this was. Like, no, <laughs> nothing yeah. paid back. Like, you pretty much paid her the bag so she could get a moment at Wembley. And I don't think she has done anything else for this division. Um, you know, she... I'm indifferent on Britt Baker, but she pretty much killed Britt Baker is like one of your top stars. It feels like, um, because when Soraya came in, everyone's like, Britt always wins. And then they pretty much just beat Britt into the dirt during <laughs> the Soraya feud. Um, and now Britt's not even around or has much presence either, which again, it's, it feels very strange right now, um, in the women's division, but yeah. Because it's it's never like they really lack that continuity and the constants. It's more so a champion. And then, oh, here's Hukaru Shido on TV for the first time in three months. And, oh, here's <laughs> Riho for the first time in a year. And then they just disappear again where it's like everyone's like fighting the ghosts in the closet or some shit. But um, I'm very excited for Riho to be back. Yes, uh, me too. I think it's great that your first ever champions here. Uh Sets up a good match with Tony and a fresh one, too, because we haven't seen her in so long. She hasn't done anything too much. Her getting a big title match is at least a fresh thing. It's not a rehash angle. So uh, I'm definitely a fan of that. Excited to see the match tonight with Ruby. We'll see where they go with that. Obviously, I think Tony will will retain the title. I think he's she's one of the favorite acts right now uh, on Dynamite in terms of TV time and things like that. But Riho back is being is very good. And I like seeing that. So good stuff there uh, for Riho coming in. Uh, that kind of brings me to another thing I wanted to talk about. It's come out that Brian Danielson is the head of this new committee in AEW that was responsible for firing CM Punk. First of all, uh, he he was kind of one of the leaders they put in there, and now he is dealing out fines. To people like Britt Baker, who complained about the company and put down AEW on Twitter, as she was very unhappy talking about how much TV time MJF got in comparison to her, which is zero. Uh, so everybody's getting fined now, thanks to Brian Danielson. The best part of it for me is that it's spread into creating any – anytime someone does something remotely controversial or anything even kind of bad, you can guarantee someone on Twitter will come in. With a picture of Brian Danielson as a meme that he will find them, even if it's in WWE, he will still find them. He has that power, and to, according to the world of Twitter, and that is very amusing to me. What do you think of Brian being the law in AEW now? And more more accurately, Tony Khan shifting the blame on somebody he knows won't get as much heat as him for his decision. Um, it's better than Punk. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, Punk wasn't really the law. He just took – he was like a tyrant. <laughs> it uh, seems, seems to be working out better for him. Um, you know what? As long as the TV show is looking good and people are happy and, like, the shows aren't getting overshadowed by all the bullshit behind the scenes, yeah. I could really care less who's in charge or anything. Danielson seems like a cool guy, yeah. um, you know? So I if, if this helps the product, hell yeah, that's awesome. I just think the problem is, though, it's kind of a recurring problem from the punk era. I really think Tony needs to be more of a stand-up type of guy, though. Because I really don't think Brian is making all of these decisions and, and all of that stuff. 
maybe he is. Maybe Tony Khan's just like, oh, screw it. I'm done with the, all this backstage stuff. I just want to watch the shows or book the shows now. Um, but to me, if you're going to start finding guys, that's a great way to hurt morale in the, in the locker room, to be honest with you, especially over goofy Twitter posts, you know. And I'm not saying right or wrong on Brit, you know, complaining, but. It's not worth a fine over. I think most people would think that. Um, and who knows? Maybe maybe it's all – like I said, I don't think this is a- completely accurate how people talk about it. I think Tony's making decisions, but he's really – he doesn't want to take the heat anymore. So if he says Brian does stuff, nobody's going to really be that mad at Brian because he's impossible to hate pretty much because he's such a great performer and so respected by everyone. That if he does something that maybe would be seen as unpopular, it's not as bad as if Tony did it as he – not only will he get fair criticism, he will get unfair criticism from people in bad faith. So it kind of – it's almost like a calamity suppression trying to put in Danielson in this this role publicly anyway. Yeah, like I I don't know. With this sort of like stuff as well, like if it's – you know, CM Punk gets fired. I'm like, okay, I'll read this article because I can see that this happened. But with I just want to read about like, him get fired again. <laughs> no, yeah, right. And like wrestling journalism nowadays, like we've seen so much, especially with the Punk stuff, right? Where it's yeah. like we only know an inkling of the truth. So yeah, yeah. It's like I believe Brian's on some committee. I, I don't know much else other than that because I remember someone else like already joked about getting fined or something like that yeah. too. And it's just it's I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I have the pulse on the truth or my finger on the pulse of the truth. And other times it feels like all the wrestlers behind the scenes are laughing at us for not knowing anything. So (laughs) but it is but it's at least amusing to think of Brian being the the guy doing all this stuff, in my opinion, because he's not somebody you would expect as that uh, at the end of the day. He's such a shithead, dude. His little eye patch and smirk. Yeah, he, he, child. he does seem cool, but he also it does have that goofy side to him as well, <laughs> for, for sure, that you could totally see him trolling people <laughs> with this himself. I'm sure he gets a kick out of it online as well. <laughs> so that's very good. Some other things, just real quick. It's been, and the, you know, it's been speculated recently. And this is something I heard about a couple of weeks ago, actually, uh, behind the scenes. I, ha- I have my sources. They're never wrong, just like Natsu Sumire uh, in, in Stardom. Uh, the rumors have come out now uh, that Tony Khan will does not think highly of Julia from Stardom. And it makes it because a lot has been going on with Julia. Will she come to America 2024? And it's been said that, that TK is not her biggest fan and doesn't think that she would be that great of an asset to the division, perhaps. What do you think the future holds for Julia? Do you think that she'll just stay in Japan? Will she go to WWE or will someone smack Tony Khan upside the head and realize, what are you doing? <laughs> like, What are you talking about? And maybe yeah, they can do something there. We should all be taking Tony Khan's opinion on women's wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, that's just another sign that how, like, what does he know? Like, you know, like I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Soraya got a seven figure deal. Yeah. <laughs> I 
think about how many women's wrestlers you could hire for that amount of money that are like younger and better. Not even I said I should say younger, but earlier in their careers, right? Yeah, yeah, right. right. Um, like a she Billy Stark, like twelve, right? Yeah, yeah, Billy Starks, fucking yeah. Trisha Dora, all these people. I mean, they they're with the company, but like these are the people you should be investing in, not Soraya because um she had a match before in NXT <laughs> with Emma. Um. Like and she got a movie with The Rock, which is yeah. just total bullshit. It has the historical accuracy of Ridley Scott's Napoleon, honestly. <laughs> um, and okay, I to think, dude. There's a scene I think where it's like she wins the NXT Divas title or women's title, and then the next night she's on Raw after WrestleMania and beats AJ. Or whatever. It's very weird. It's very weird, and I don't get why they just don't give a shit anyway. Um, what was I going to say? Dude, Julia, whatever she gets, good for her, man. Like, um, I honestly have completely fallen off of stardom. The yeah. amount of shows they do, there's genuinely... <laughs> oh, no yeah, there's a million play. of them. <laughs> it's yeah. fucked. It's so fucked. And it yeah. just really turns well, me off to the product as well. Because well, it's like... To, not to interrupt oh. you, but just to say, um, that got the president fired of the company. Like, they have a new person in charge of that now. And, like... They're still it's still messed up now because they had already booked the shows in advance, but they've said that they're gonna do a lot better in twenty twenty four about the, the schedule not being so good. Fun, like you said. Yeah. No, and like that's why I love all Japan and Noah have very good schedules. Like yeah. DDT is very their own beast because they do so many weirdo like one off events, you know, but like all Japan, no other like, hey, we're going to run like four to five shows a month. One big show. I'm like, awesome. I'll be there. You know, that is digestible. That is feasible. Stardom's like, hey, we're going to have five tournaments running all at the same time. They're all six months long. And <laughs> every tournament show is a main, is a main yes. program pay-per-view. And I'm like, what? So, <laughs> um. You and know, five people would be injured on that show as, as well. Right. Um, Bushy Road kind of fucked themselves on this. You know, they created this women's title for North America um, with literally no purpose other than for Mercedes Monet. Same with the IDWGP Women's Championship. So it seems like they created two titles for Mercedes Monet. She's nowhere factored in right now being injured. Um, you know, I hope we get Julia versus Mercedes because I think. Out of everything, that would be the best Mercedes match. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Atsumi and Hazuki was awesome as high speed people. Yeah. Um, Kyrie was cool, but like Julia matches the insanity that I think lives yes. inside of Mercedes Monet, right? Like, I'll headbutt you till I shoot bleed, whatever. I don't yes. care. They're That's down. why we love her so much with that kind yes. of thinking. Um, but, you know, saying that Bushiroad screwed themselves, it's like they brought Julia to North America. And that's not to say she didn't have any sort of, um, you know, uh, buzz here before. But, like, they brought her over here. And now WWE's like, yeah, we want her. <laughs> well, they, pro- they probably they probably took literally one look at her and said, no, we have to sign her. Oh. Exactly. They're like, oh, hey, like, because, you know, she, she's been doing those New Japan U.S. shows. Someone from WWE might have gone there and been like, yeah, she's fucking remarkable. Let's let's, let's yeah. do it. Um you know, people sort of infer that Shinsuke's push and this big damage control revival and all these things are symptoms of, you know, trying to attract an Okada or a Julia. And, yeah. you know, if that's the case, I hope that they, the pushes <laughs> remain still. And well, it's and not- they've been both been good, like both of those pushes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I uh, with Julia, I like nowadays I. 
I used to be very like, I don't want people going to WWE, right? Yeah. Um, but now, you know, I, I don't want to call it a new regime, I guess, with a slightly different approach. Um, I don't really mind as much. Uh, but also, like, I, I'm not someone who I pretty much just watch big shows now, like outside yeah. of w weekly tv so you know when we get in a deadline i've never seen half these people in my life before uh, <laughs> yeah well yeah um they might not have even seen julia wrestle like one of their guys might have must have been in the casino she went to and was like who's that we need to sign her like wait she's a wrestler already whoa uh, and then regal was like yes this is who i've been waiting for uh on, on there um but yeah i mean she's a must sign if they have any sense and she's already started speaking English a little bit more on Twitter. She's doing this feud with Megan Bain in stardom right now, uh, heading into their big show. But Julia's like next level, top tier, epic talent, like should be the ace of all of your divisions, a <laughs> level of star. Just the way she carries herself. And like I said, you can't teach like her look at the end of the day. And, her, and she's a great wrestler, too, on top of it. Uh, so talented. Uh, but like if, if it were me, honestly, if I were any women's wrestler, I wouldn't want to go to AEW right now, you know, like with how they use people. And then, like you said, they're doing a little bit better with this Julia and Abaddon stuff and, and Timeless Tony. They're given time to at least. But it's still like if you compare the two companies, like you're going to get a chance. If you're somebody like a Julia, you're going to get a chance in WWE at least to do something. Maybe it won't be, you know, a WrestleMania main event. I'm not saying that. But I think you'll get a much better chance there than in AEW overall, at least for the women's division. And if you're and look at the Japanese talent, what we said about Riho is true for all of them pretty much. Like because look at Sheeta, either she's the champion or she's off somewhere else. Like gonna be working a, gl- a Gleet show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sick. And I don't think that's a good way to to build stuff. <laughs> No, but it's um, just the lack of consistency. Like imagine John, Mo- like it's like the women's division are all Brock Lesnar's, but without the, <laughs> the presence, you know, or like the, the importance factor. It's just, yeah, like, yeah. these aren't all part-timers. Fuck. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's all Brock's and Romans. <laughs> and then they AEW women's division. Uh, but you mentioned it uh, too. I wanted to bring this up real quick before we get to deadline. Okada, his contract's coming up. You think he makes the jump, makes a move? Because I think he definitely has a shot where he, he's more likely to sign with an AEW or WWE. And by the way, I, I ultimately think Star, uh, Julia may just stay in stardom, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. I don't completely write it off. But if she was going to pick one, I definitely think WWE would be the option. And they, if any company should want Julia on their roster if they have two brain cells in wrestling. Uh, Okada, though, I think he has a much better – there's more controversy surrounding him. Uh, coming into AEW and or and or WWE, what do you think? Is he gonna like make the jump? The ace of New Japan, the biggest star of that company, would he finally call it quits to jump to America? I think if there's anything that 2015 taught us, Dylan, with New Japan losing a star that we probably never thought would ever defect and sign with another company and the machine gun carl anderson yeah, um the real star, <laughs> yes. no um dude like for this stuff the way i kind of always approach it in my head is before with wwe like shinsuke signing with wwe right there was yeah. no other north american alternative right. um it seems like a lot of the international talent that signs with AEW or some of the reasons why we hear people saying they signed with them 
you know, Osprey being the most recent and prime example is the concessions that are made so that they can keep their families rooted yeah. and not have to uproot them and move and blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, this is where assumption comes in over like anything else. But again, for me, it's like if Okada and his family are in Japan, um, you know, if they want to stay there, AEW makes sense. If they want to move to America, WWE makes sense, right? That's just kind of yeah. the way I look at it now. Is exactly. that AEW is a AAA promotion in America that you can sign to and still have some freedom outside. And WWE is a AAA company in America that you can sign with and they will invest everything into you, but you can't have shit outside, right? Um so it's just that double-edged sword and just whatever you're comfortable with as a person. So Yeah, that's but, uh, a great point. I feel the same way because when we were talking about Japanese people coming over to America, a lot of that is on a personal preference that there's no possible way we can know uh, about, you know, unless we've talked to them like face-to-face. Um, somebody like Asuka, for example, she always wanted to come to America. Like, you know, like that was her dream. Like she didn't want to stay in Japan forever in the Joshi scene. Kenta was another one, Hideo Itami. He, he always wanted to go there. Nakamura loves America, wants to stay there. Tozawa, same way. All these guys wanted to be here, but not everybody wants to be here like that. Like some people like Japan and, and want to stay there <laughs> at the end. We don't know where Okada lies in that uh, scenario. Uh, he dates a voice actress who's very like busy in Japan as well. She was a part of this show called like Love Live which was a, a big deal like 10 years ago and they're doing a 10th year anniversary tour like in February and March. So that could come into play. Like if the wife can't, isn't able to leave the country <laughs> that much. Uh, but I, like you said, it's really more, I could honestly see this all being just a, a smoke screen so he could get more money at the end of the day out of, out of new Japan. Or like you said, I don't think it's impossible. He doesn't sign with AEW as like, oh, yeah, I've signed with AEW, but also I'm in Japan 90% of the time. Uh, Kota you know, Ibushi like, signed with them. What? He's main yeah. eventing Noah's Ariake Arena show? Like, what the fuck does signing with AEW mean nowadays, really? Like, it, it, for, it just for means, certain talents, right? Yeah, it just means they can put his face on a graphic and say he's all elite. And they could say, like, with Okada, they could use that as a way, like, ha, we got him. Like, we know WWE wanted him, and now, like, he picked us. Yeah, you okay. could say that, which is kind of what like that's what the Osprey thing was, right? <laughs> like they rushed that so fast so they could get a one up on Punk <laughs> coming back to WWE. We're uh, also, oh sorry, yeah, go on. I was gonna say we're not factoring in an impact, right? Okada going back to Snake Eyes, maybe he shows up at Snake Eyes, signs the contract, grabs the mic, I'm home. <laughs> yeah, see that's <laughs> Okada. Okato is back. Yeah, the puts green the mask with. back on. <laughs> I would love that. And they, they're even back to TNA now, though. <laughs> if they had been yep. Impact, maybe he could have come back. But now that they're TNA, I just don't know if his heart can bear it at the end of the day. Although it has been rumored that they tried to make a like a seven-figure offer on Osprey, right? you know, give him millions of dollars. Uh, yeah. Which, I mean, they're trying. Like, you know, they're trying. you got to give it up to, to TNA for making efforts, at least. Yeah. But as we go to WWE... I did, you know, real quick before we get to deadline, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I will ask you, I feel like for the fans, we're obligated to talk about this a little bit. Did you see 
any of these punk promos since he since no. he returned. I mean, I, mean, I, you, I, I read his like, first one, and then after I was like, I refuse, <laughs> I refuse to watch any of this shit. I refuse to contribute to it. I'm I so tuned this. out. I'm so tuned out, and fuck this guy. <laughs> I, I remember seeing that first promo, and I was thinking like, Nello hates this so much. It was like, dude, it's. We actually got a comment uh, on our, our last show. Uh, they were worried about you a little bit, about, about Punk. They think you took things uh, personally. You know, you 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 know, you were hurt by him. Is that true? Do you do you hate Punk so much that it, he's ruined your life pretty much? <laughs> right. No, I think with like any of these things, right? You you develop like this unfortunate parasocial relationship with it, and yeah. the sense of you watch someone like a CM Punk since 2011. I fell off wrestling. He got me back into it. Straight edge, hardcore, yeah, all that yeah, yeah. shit that I loved. He got me back into it. You very much like buy into these people who sell themselves as you know. Christian sells himself as an on-screen character. CM Punk sells himself as a human being. Right. right. He, he very much does not try to um, create any delineation between his off screen and on screen selves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when this guy comes in and he says all these things and, you know, he does all this shit, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you just kind of slowly realize that they're a giant piece of shit. I mean, it very much is like watching someone who you admired and yeah, yeah. respect in a professional sense in, in a way that, you know, filled your life with memories of media yeah. and entertainment. And now this person turns out to be a, a decrepit, for the lack of a better word, <laughs> punk. Um, so, yeah, CM Punk did ruin my life. Uh, and I, That's the big difference between us, I think, is that. I always thought he was bullshit. Like even when I, and I took so much heat like ten years ago because I never believed in, in his thing because I'm just like man, this guy is a wrestler through and through. If you go back and look at some of the stories with him and his old, like backyard fed, like with his original partner CM Venom, like I did some reading on that and it, he looks really bad. And, like none of the people involved that at, you know 25 30 years ago uh, have any respect or love for him uh, and. Hey, and that's one side of the story. Uh, I don't know these people personally. I'm just, I'm just telling you what we've read online and what we know the best we can. Like you said, uh, he protected himself. And I, I don't. The thing is, I don't think your take is at all uncommon. I think so many people have a similar take with him that he got them back into wrestling. They cried when he walked into AEW. Dude, and man, yeah. yeah, like I think a lot of like a lot of people are like that. You know, at the end of the day, just not me. <laughs> that's all because I always hated him. So this is like. I knew it. I knew you were like, I knew you were it's, like this. It's very much like, um, you know, for video games, right? Like something that's a live service game, MMO, something you play yeah. for years, right? You invest time in. And then the developers come out and they're like, hey, so we're going to take all this shit out. We're going to put in this now and um, we're going to shut it down in a year. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, okay. Uh, and it's like, you know, you invested part of your life into this. You really gave yeah. part of yourself to this program or industry or whatever the fuck i don't know but it it becomes sad to feel um you know and i think for any human it's that these sort of situations right if we look underneath what's underneath the anger the shock um it always goes deeper right and i think for for me what's at the core of a cm punk issue are people that gaslight and manipulate 
Um, they are abusers and they very much use their persona and power to try and convince you otherwise. So I think for me and my reaction to the punk thing, that's what is at the core of it is it's my own situations with people that in my life and how they've hurt me and let me down. And then, so when you have someone that you look up to in that way and they turn out to be the same, fuck yeah, fuck that guy. Oh, I hate him. Yeah, I hate him. (laughs) He just said, Hey, I don't think any of his promos have been particularly special or great, to be honest with you, since he's come back. Just objectively looking at them as a fan, I thought the Seth promo was really good, actually. Like, one of the few good Seth Rollins promos, because he he said what he said in a way. It was, like, not that dissimilar from the Hangman promo <laughs> they had, except it's actually, like, leading to something. <laughs> you know, it was in a controlled environment. Because he did, did make a comment, too. He was like, I know that, like, he said something like, even if you change, we know it's because this is your last chance. You've burned every bridge. You can't, you don't have any other options anymore, which is true. <laughs> like, and I, and I think that's a big part of why I thought he would play ball a lot better in this WWE run than he did in AEW, where he got ultimate power and, and you know, could do whatever he wanted. In WWE, it won't be like that. So Seth actually told the truth on a lot of things and had a really good and well-delivered promo for once. Uh, probably if not the best of his career, one of the best he's ever done. So I'll praise Seth. Um, we'll see what happens in the grand scheme of things. Uh, my grandma was like electric <laughs> during that promo. Mamma loved Seth's promo on punk because she hates punk too. We all hate punk in this household <laughs> uh, pretty much. And she was, like, yeah, she was like, tell them Seth, like fuck that <laughs> motherfucker. She was saying, uh, and uh, yeah. And so, and I, as a wrestler, too, he's faced injuries. He's older. What does he have left in the tank? I just am not that interested in seeing him as a talent, first and foremost, regardless of what I know of him to be a, not a great person. <laughs> um, but with that said, let's move on to NXT now. You had Deadline. You haven't seen half these people before. <laughs> uh, so we are going to educate you educate ourselves who the hell is on the NXT roster. We will see. And of course, who started it off? But CM Punk, of course. Uh, oh my God. Now this promo sucked. Uh, this sucked so yeah. much. It was so weird. And... It was pointless. Like so, so Shawn Michaels comes out and he's like, Hey everybody. I love being here in a Bridgeport, Connecticut. And then <laughs> CM Punk comes out and he's like, first of all, I love that he came out of a CM, uh, a Bret Hart uh, shirt as well. And I think Sean even mentioned it right away. He's like, oh, I love the shirt you got on. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot my Shawn Michaels <laughs> merch. Like I said, I'm telling you, man, when he went to WWE, he thought, I guarantee you this thought went through his head. Bret Hart did it when he went back. I'm telling you, he thought that way. Um, Dude. But, and then he said nothing, pretty much. He was like, well, am I going to sign with Raw, SmackDown, or NXT? And the crowd cheered, of course, for NXT. Uh, and he's like, and, and I thought he was going to say something like a reason why he might come to NXT. But no, instead, he just stands there. The music hits. He hugs Shawn Michaels for like five minutes straight, it seems like. And then he, then he that was it. He's gone. So totally went, pointless. Dude, like just this critique to like – he really is on such a leash now, and it's it's funny to watch 
Um, but yeah, I despise this. Also, not trying to rush or anything, but I just got yeah. a message. I have exactly half an hour. My oh, meeting got moved up. So let's deadline it. But dude, yeah, Punk, the first thing I thought on the Bret Hart note was at least he can talk about Bret Hart now, right? Because in AEW, it's always oh, Owen. And then Bret's actually signed because they did all this shit with Bret Hart in AEW. And then WWE immediately signed Bret to the Legends contract. Yeah. And then that kind of fucked everything on them. So I still think that's hilarious. Um, also sus that Brett like did that when AEW's doing all the Owen shit, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, Good point. Owen was my idol in wrestling, so I, I love him very much. Big uh, love Owen. So let's get into this. Show started off uh, hyping up the Iron Survivor challenges. Did you see any of these last year? No, okay, so this is the first time I have watched NXT since the premiere episode of 2.0. I have not watched a second <laughs> of NXT since then. So a lot of old people from UK, a lot of people like a Trick Williams who I saw on the first ever episode and have not seen since. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen Braun and Roxanne here and there and like Carmelo and stuff, but I have not sat down. I've not watched any PLEs. I've not watched any television. Um, the whole 2.0 thing pretty much just kicked me out of the house. No, and, and what a great call you made not to watch any of 2.0 <laughs> on that end. But instead, we got somebody you do know, Dominic, uh, who is the, was the North American champion. Uh, he took out Dragon Lee. Rey Mysterio came out first, hobbling on his crutches. He comes in on commentary. And yeah, well, what did you think of this? What did you think about Booker T? On Dude, that was okay. I was That was the first thing I was going to bring up. Dominic's a North American champion. What did Ray ever do? Ray's right here, Booker. What are you yeah. talking about? Ray's right here. He's a cruiserweight champion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like that was so funny. Also, I want to shout out Vic Joseph is one of the best commentators in the yeah, business. Totally I think great. he is so good. And I like I can't I wish I wrote it down, but like I can't remember the specifics, but he is so goddamn good at pretty much blending like the entire AEW commentary desk, three personalities into one seamless person. Like he has all of your very deep, intense facts. He has humor. He's able to play off with Booker. He's able to really focus on the in-ring story. He can really sell the bigger moments. Like he is fucking great. And he made this show very special for me. Um, in that sense for the match itself, thought it was fine again. Like um, having watched dragon Lee fight Santos and now Dom, it either feels like he's being held back or he like he, he his opponents can't keep up, which I, I don't think that's true for Santos. But like whenever I watch these matches, I just it's like having a second screen on in my head of like Dragon Lee versus Hiromu and in New Japan and stuff like that. And it feels like he's always going at half um, speed. But this was still fun. Uh, you know, I thought Dot, this was a better match than Santos. Uh, the title one was cool. I'm excited to see what he does with it. Um, is Dragon Lee an NXT wrestler? That's, that, that's, that was my issue with this: is that he's on SmackDown, so why is he the champion on NXT? Why? Yeah, why? I mean, I get wanting to. I mean, clearly they see value in Dragon Lee. That's something yeah. that's cool, right? Because they put him on an actual main roster PLE in a singles match, and then they replaced like last minute replacement. It's going to be Dragon Lee. But um, yeah, I don't know. I would have preferred someone who is NXT. But again, for me, who doesn't really follow the product, uh, it was fun to watch Dom lose the title in the first match. Crowd was super into it. Yeah, exactly. That's the one good thing about Dom. 
Uh, he's not a great like technical wrestler or anything like that, but the crowd always gets into him and gives good heat to his matches. And D. Lee's awesome, but like you said, he hasn't really been. Able to... The one match he had was against Axiom, where like they really were able to deliver big uh, on a SmackDown episode. That match was great uh, and much better than this. But you got Ray coming in pumped up. Uh, he tried to be a good commentator. Even got at one point, he was like Dominic. He was like, I don't like him, but what a good ring awareness he's got there. Uh, and then when he cried. Uh, he had a pin and he put his leg on the rope pretty much. He was like, what great rig and right this by, by, by Dom. And like you said, Booker T was just nuts on, the, on, like, on this it, whole show. I could not believe how fun, like I was just cracking up because it was like, he literally would not acknowledge Ray. Is that part of his character? Or like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Cause he was too, he was like, man, uh, you know, you had guys backing you up too back in the day, Ray. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. Nobody fought my battles. I was a singles guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what are you talking about, Booker? Like, That's not how it happened in WCW. Were you even in WCW? <laughs> like, have you been replaced by a <laughs> fake? Where's Stevie Ray? <laughs> Half listening, ordering food on his phone. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray, go back to NWA, dude. <laughs> I, 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 he got busted for that one time. He door dashed something when he was on commentary. Yeah, the camera so caught him. <laughs> which is awesome i love booker t on commentary everybody does mamaw lo- love them too uh yeah <laughs> so let's move on to the uh, women's iron survivor match you said you hadn't seen it before and i gotta say i absolutely loved last year's iron survivor matches i thought it was a wonderful debut the men's match might have been like my favorite match in any wwe show last year oh yeah and so we start with the women here uh, everybody should know the rules at this point, but basically it's kind of like the king of the mountain match at TNA, except you don't climb the ladder. It's just pins and submissions, because if you pin somebody, you get a point, and then the loser goes to the penalty box <laughs> for 90 seconds. Last year, they had it at the top of the ramp. This year, they moved it in front of the commentary team. I don't know for what reason. <laughs> well, that kind of played into some spots, but uh, – and it's five people. Everyone would enter in five minutes at a time, so you had a different strategy for each person. So it started off with Fallon Henley and Blair Davenport. Uh, you may recognize Blair as uh, Will Ospreay's former girlfriend, uh, B. Priestley, and stardom a red belt champion as well uh, here. And Fallon, her gimmick was as like she's a part of a team with Briggs, who's in the, the men's match, and this guy, uh, Brooks Jensen, who's like Bull Buchanan's son. And they're all like country people. They kind of brought it up a little bit in the match. They were like she was at her bar, and then she decided she wanted to be a wrestler. Um, but, yeah, they came in. <laughs> Uh, they had some perfunctory work overall, and then Tiffany Stratton came in, and she's kind of like that women's ace of NXT, uh, the one they put everything behind, cuts promos, been the champion before. Has <laughs> a wonderful talent for her age as well, a really good worker. Uh, Kalani Jor- Jordan comes in next at number four, and she's like a super rookie, like very new, only been around for a couple of months. Uh, so she comes in. And then finally, they did the smart thing and kept Lash Legend in at the end, so she was in the ring for the least amount of time, uh, pretty much. Uh, they came in. They they each had things going back and forth. Basically, when Lash came in, she basically hit everybody and then choke slam Stratton and powerbomb Henley and then pinned them both at the same time. And that was the first time we saw somebody score two points at one <laughs> at once, which gave her the lead over Blair and Henley, who both had one at that point. Uh, they came in going back and forth. Uh, we had a spot with Metaphor, which is Lash's faction. Uh, they tried to block the 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 penalty box to where Stratton and Hindley couldn't get in. But then uh, Hindley tried to leap over the top of the cage, and then Tiffany followed her and pushed her to the table. 
Uh, Tiff- okay, this spot was when they like Fallon was like, "I'm good, I'm good," and Tiffany's like, "Okay," and just fucking shot. Yeah, <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. It was fun. Yeah, um, Tiffany did a dive on all metaphor to take them out. Uh, in the end, she came back in to hit the the prettiest moonsault ever. Had to get a win. So with like two minutes left, it was like Lash and Blair both had two, and Henley and Stratton were tied at one. And in the end, with like 15 seconds left on the clock, Blair ended up hitting a big running knee blast on Fallon to get the win, uh, three to two. And then they did a different version. They did the same thing last year, the same ending to the men's match last time. This year, this year it's the women's, where Blair scored the fall. Lash got out of the block box with 15 seconds left, and then Blair just ran around out of the ring to run out the clock, which is a really good spot, I thought, and a great way to end the match uh, for a heel winner like this. And uh, Blair Davenport, former B Priestley, gets the title shot, wins the women's Iron Survivor. What would you think? Um, yeah, first time watching an Iron, Iron Survivor match. Um, I do like this concept. Like, I get that. Like, here's the thing, right? Multi-man matches, no matter what, they're going to be contrived in some way, especially with the everyone laying on the outside. So at least you're able to get them somewhere meaningful with intent, right? Like, okay, this person's in the box, so they can't really participate right now. You know, if there's three people in the box or whatever, I like, especially with the ending with Lash Legend, where it's like she gets put in, you know, at 23 minutes, and it's like, okay, she's going to have like 30 seconds to to win this, right? Um, I like how you're able to add in and weave in those new little stories and moments so seamlessly um, playing with that. Yeah, great uh, to see that they were able to, to capitalize on at the end. Yes. And, uh, you know, I it was cool to see Tiffany. Um, I've heard about this bar storyline so much from friends. So to, to see people like Fallon Henley for the first time, I, I've heard of Lash Legend for the first time from the Otis spot. I've heard of Fallon from the bar. I know Blair, of course, from before. And I've heard of many, many positive things about Tiffany. Kalani was new for me. Um, she looked pretty good, though. Like, Yeah, good athleticism. She did yes. the RPD split leg moonsault at one point. And I think that this match can very well be described as, like, good athleticism. Um, you know, like, there were those spots that were a little bit, you know, like, stunted, I guess. Like, Tiffany and Fallon going off the top of that thing. But at the same time, they, I did have an appreciation for it. Because you could see these performers taking these, you know, no pun intended, but leaps for the first time and like seeing the trust that goes into it and these things build, you know, I think it is nice to see that as well. Um, you know, this is developmental and I thought for, for, for this many people and, you know, with, if we're going to call a veteran in this match, it would be Blair. And, yeah. you know, that's pretty gracious there. Um, but this could have been so much worse and I had fun with it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to describe these matches. Both of them. They're just fun. You know, like kind of what we talked about with the war games where each person coming in were like a hot tag to the match almost. But this one, it's even better because you have the entrances every five minutes. Then you have your created hot tags with the box, like people running back in. So it's like constantly something's going on in the match. It's a great ADD type of match because everything's going on well. You don't have any time to think about stuff too much. Fast paced, great action. And really helps out some of these younger talent like Kalani to where she can come in and hit her big spots. Even Lash, who is viewed as a very negative, very negatively as a worker, did not stand out to be poor in this match because they limited her opportunities to do so uh, at the end. And uh, in the end, Blair got three Fallon and uh, Lash got two Fallon and Tiffany both had one and Kalani had zero as the relative rookie. Uh, good match. 
afterwards, you know, I gave this three and a half stars. What about you? Um, yeah, I'd give it like three, three and a quarter. I feel like, um, you know, with Lyra being champion, I haven't seen much of her stuff since she was in NXT uh, or UK, I should yeah, say. UK, yeah. But, you know, Blair from this group seems like the most logical opponent. I'm curious to see if Tiffany and Lyra get called up post New Year's Evil. Yeah. Um, just because with Lyra already working the big program with Becky. Um, and then I think Blair is also someone who can be your brand champion at this point. Um, I think she's able to carry that flag. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a massive Blair Davenport fan, but I think yeah. that she is, I don't think she's bad. Like everyone says, you know, I think she's, no. she's, she's good. Um, like her match against Tsutami, badass. Um, but yeah. what was I going to say? Yeah. I don't know. I, I liked it. Like, again, I like the concept a lot. So yeah. that's, that was exciting for me. Yeah, now Blair, what I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. So Blair cut a promo on Lyra. It was very basic, just saying, "Hey, I'll be the next champ." And Lyra came out and was like, "Yeah, I'm the champ now." And then Cora Jade comes in, knocks her down, holds up the title, and she's just uh, has blonde streaks in her hair now. And everyone was like, "Oh, she's totally changed," and she's kind of the same, to be honest. I forgot about that. I was talking about Lexus King. Oh yeah, well, his, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this match. So there's, there's, they're te- they're telling the story with Carmelo and Trick right now. Who attacked Trick? This happened like two months ago. It's not that dissimilar from the Devil almost in AEW, where they're like, "Who's the mystery person?" Uh, it's just a lot less stupid. They don't have the the retribution here. They're just trying to figure out who attacked him. And uh, then it was said that Lexus was the one that attacked him, and he framed Carmelo because Carmelo and Trick are like were best friends for years. And they're trying to say Carmelo attacked Trick, and Lex instigated it. Uh, the match was basic. I really don't have any positive thing to say about it at all. Lexus is like a void of charisma <laughs> to me. Um, the match was like not terrible, but nothing I can even remember a day a day or two later. And uh, then, yeah, and then Lexus was like, "Hey, I didn't attack. <laughs> I didn't attack Trick. I lied. But thanks for that ple rub, brother." Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, funny. I I thought I laughed. Hey man, hey man, <laughs> I lied and I got my ass whooped. Yeah, he in, did, he did in, mention that part. <laughs> in ten minutes by you on a PLE. So thanks a lot, you idiot. <laughs> like what? Yeah, That's yeah, so that, that stupid. Was, yeah, that that was where the devil showed through in this storyline because that, before it had been decently logical, and now that well, that line was just ridiculously dumb. It's, I just laughed when he said it. It's like, hey, man, thanks for instead of just beating me up in the bathroom. Thanks for taking me into the center of the cafeteria, whooping my whole ass in front of the school. You really did a lot for me just now. You really, um, you really helped me out. I was like, what? You, you moron. Look what you've done for me. Dude, he looked like shit. Wrestles like shit. Um, this is me going full WH. Talks like shit. No charisma. Um, I just, again, it's very funny because, like, it's nice that someone like Alexis King, right, can come into NXT and actually be a featured prominent player because they get lost in the shuffle in an AEW, right? But then I think it also shows the the weakness of NXT that someone like this can become a prominent player. Um, there's nothing here with this guy. I truly believe there's nothing here. I do not see any growth from the last thing I saw him did was his feud with MJF. Um, I feel like I see less growth here than I yeah. did there for some reason. Um Carmelo did not even seem interested in this match. He no. fucking bodied him at the end with the what is it called? Nothing by net or something? Yeah, yeah, no, nothing but net. 
dude, he nailed him. And I, that was my favorite part of the match. Very satisfying. But um, yeah, total throwaway. Um, <laughs> thanks then, for the PLE rub, brother. Yeah, and then like literally immediately afterward, he he walks up to Trick backstage. And Trick's like, man, you were right, dog. I'm sorry I, I doubted you. You whooped his ass after. <laughs> like, he literally said that. Uh, so <laughs> all was well. They did a tease at the end, which I'll get into later. Uh, uh, Trick winning. But, uh, yeah, nothing match. Uh, Lexus, who knows? Well, what's going to happen with him? I don't see a lot either, to say the least. But the men's Iron Survivor Challenge, same stuff as the women's match, uh, except you had five different people in. It started off with... Jack and Josh Briggs, um, you know, two indie guys, uh, like Evolve uh, Legacy going on here to start off. Uh, they came in, did some big man stuff. They actually had a really exciting first five minutes, I thought. They did a great job of throwing stuff against the wall and doing big guy, big man spots. Uh, then Tyler Bate comes in, uh, and he's doing big time stuff. Uh, Indian Briggs gets the, uh, the fall on the the big uh, big lariat he hits on Dijak, which looked awesome, uh, came in there. Bate uh, was flying around trying to do his big strong boy stuff. Uh, Bate scored a pinfall. As soon as Dijak got out of the ring, he, he ran in and then Bate rolled him up again <laughs> to send him back in the box, <laughs> which is pretty good. They come in. Trick Williams comes in n- number you know number four. He got a huge pop like when he came out. I really, really love his entrance. I think that's one of my Wolf favorite that entrances. Trick. Yes, Wolf it's one of my trick. favorite entrances in wrestling. Bro, I'm Shout from out Memphis. Hustle and Flow. Yeah, I'm it's from so. Memphis. Of course yeah. I fucking love this entrance. Like, like this is this is our shit. <laughs> like, Shout so- out. <laughs> Sorry. No, go on. I was going to say, shout out the best Oscars quote of all time. If anyone's keeping score, three six Mafia one, Martin scores Stacy zero, baby. <laughs> so. Yeah. Hey, let's those are my guys, man. I grew up like right down the road from where they did. Like they grew up in Orange Mound and I was from Fraser, the dog. Uh-huh. So I, I love three six mafia and Project Pat <laughs> is, is my ultimate guy. Uh well I'll, I'll always give a lot of love. And, and they were great. DJ Paul is such an underrated producer, but I'm not gonna hit you with the music. We don't got time for that right now. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh Trick was awesome. Uh the crowd goes crazy. Uh Bait did a wild airplane spin, hit the, turned it into the UFO. That <laughs> was really good. He hit the Tyler Driver 97 on Trick to put him in the box. Bait gets the win early on. Dijek comes in, uh, does some power stuff, but then Braun Breaker comes in at uh, 15 minutes in. He's only got 10 minutes left. He spears everybody, destroys everybody. Three straight pins on Dijak, Bait, and Briggs, uh, getting three points literally within like what the first minute he's in the ring. Uh, so a unique spot there. Trick comes in and they have kind of like a one-on-one blo- block, and then the three guys in the box all brawl and knock the door over and, and come out. Uh, Trick does a wild dive uh, on everybody to the outside, uh, and in the end, Bait came in uh, with the power bomb. So, so everybody's got three, or two of them got three at this point, uh, and then. Dijak and Briggs, they kind of team up together. They both hit moonsaults on Braun and Trick. So that they both awesome. score. Yeah, really cool stuff. The big man hitting the moonsault was really good. Uh, and then Bate comes in with a wild, like, he leapt into the ring to hit a DDT on Dijak, which was really good. Uh, they were they were brawling. Briggs and Bate were. Dijak was in. Then Trick comes in. This is where the match really kind of reaches its climax. Because Trick at this point, it had been... Three-way tie at three with Breaker, Bait, and Dijak, and then Briggs had two. 
with a minute and a half to go. Trick comes in, rolls up. Uh, Briggs gets a fast pinfall, knocks him out of the match for good in the penalty box. Uh, he comes in. Dijak hits to feast your eyes. Uh, and it looks like he's about to get a pinfall, but then Eddie Thorpe comes in. They had been feuding. Dijak threatened his seven-year-old niece at one point. Uh, and so they fight, and that leaves Trick to score a win. Uh, Dijak after Thorpe interferes. And then Williams gets another roll-up on Bate for the win with 15 seconds left. Kind of a replay of the, the other match, except this time it goes the opposite way, where 15 seconds in. Uh, Breaker comes in. They come in. He looks for the spear. It's kind of like a joust where they're each in one corner. They run at each other. Breaker goes for the spears, but Trick counters it into the jumping knee. Whoop that Trick with three seconds left. Trick Williams wins the match at 25 minutes. I thought this match was, like, really great. And then the stuff with Thorpe came in, and it kind of drug it down a little bit, in my opinion. How did you feel about the finish with Trick? Like, the thing is, this was not realistic. It was totally contrived. But yeah. the fans loved it so much that I can't really criticize it when it so clearly was like they loved it. This match was interesting just because like, you know, Breaker comes in and it's like, wow, he had three points. But then you're like, he got those three points within 20 seconds. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's high scoring. I will say it was a lot more evenly matched. It felt than the women's one. Yeah. Um, the whole ending with Trick definitely popped people. Um, I thought Bait was gonna win originally because I was like, man, Bait and Dragonov's gonna fucking yeah, bang, that would be right? a perfect match ideally. Yeah. Um, I liked so Trick like the whole like final sequence, right? Trick beating Josh, cool. The Eddie Thorpe thing, that's when it started going downhill for me. Then yeah, Trick exactly. pinned Dijak, and then when it got really contrived, just I think Trick pinned Dijak, and then Trick immediately falls back down, and then what is it? Um, Bait hits him with the spiral tap or whatever. Then. Yeah. And then immediately he gets pinned, too. And I was just like, it was such a weird spot for Trick to pin, get back up, fall down, get hit. And it felt like there it was just very contrived in the final minute. But yeah. now this was a really hard hanging match. Um, you know, it's fun to see your sort of ring generals like a Dijak and a bait uh, Briggs, who used to be like, you know, pretty much the other Austin theory and evolve that everyone yeah. thought would blow up. Um, and then Trick Williams and Breaker, who are like your big WWE guys, um, you know, Trick, I, I hope he never throws another worked punch again. But, man, yeah. this guy has fucking presence. He looks yeah. great. He um, he's one of those guys where, you know, his style's not exactly flashy, but it looks good when he does it. Like he puts his body into it. Right. Yeah. Um, he has that follow through that I really appreciate. So, yeah, I like this. I thought this was the best match on the show. Like, sure. you know, without the Thorpe thing, I'd probably go four. Without that whole little like last sequence, because it, it, it's not to say that Trick couldn't have won, but I think they could have done it differently. Yeah, if, uh, if it had just been two roll ups, like a miracle run, like with ten seconds left, you score two points. Yes. To, like I think that would have accomplished the same thing and been much more logical at the yes. end of the day. Uh, but I agree, I had this at three and three quarters personally, and I thought it was like a great match that just I didn't work for me at the end, but it still worked. I could see myself going four if I roll on the right side of the bed, you know, at the day. It was it was a really a really strong match. Over what'd you give it? Uh, yeah, I give it three and a quarter or three and three quarters. Sorry. Yeah, and and Briggs gained a lot because he was basically like an undercard tag guy uh, going into this, and this was his big spot to break out. I thought he did a great job uh, here, and the others were all good too. Like no, there were no weak links in this match. Like you said. Trick striking ability, not always perfect with the work punches. As, as a Memphis guy, I'm going to call that out. You can't have whooped that trick and not want to whoop some ass in the ring, bro, right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he came in. 
uh, everything was cool. Uh, they had Briggs. He kind of latched out at his partner's Fallon, and, and Briggs, Brooks was there. Um, and he was like, ah, you don't know how I feel. And Fallon was like, hey, I do know how you feel. I lost too. And he was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, so sorry. Uh, that, that's set of a metaphor match. Uh, Kiana James has a special entrance, uh, hops in a limo, comes in uh, from WWE headquarters to the building. Uh, Roxanne had her normal entrance. Uh, it was Roxanne Perez and Kiana James in the cage match. What'd you think? Dude, again, so Kiana, I've, I've watched Roxy, right, from New Texas Pro before she signed a lot. Kiana James, I've never fucking seen this person in my life. I've always heard of her as like the rich girl at the bar again. Yeah, um, she bought the bar. But, She's like a businesswoman executive. Yeah, and dude, it was just so funny to see. Like, um, she feels very like a more Gen Z Brit Baker. Um, yeah, she like was the way she does by, her. Yeah, oh, Tyler, really? yeah, she was trained by Tyler B- Breeze. Ah, okay. There, who's like a big so, character worker, and that's I think where she gets that from. Word, yeah, because she does that, you know, finger point down on her name when she does the entrance. Uh, yeah. Overall, like I'm not gonna lie, this was pretty forgettable. Um, yeah. I thought that they both gave a lot and they tried a lot and again for someone like a kiana james who is was she in the indies before or has she been in is she pretty much a wwe product no, she, uh, she was like a very brief time her name was Xtina k on the indies she actually wrestled okay. on aew dark like a couple of years ago uh but right, she was, okay yeah very no very new word yeah no i mean it's cool to see people like this um like relatively new people be given these sort of big gimmick matches just to see what they can do with it much like an iron survivor and kind of see them like build this comfortability in a steel cage right like oh fuck i'm fighting a steel cage this is new uh but this was i, I would say this was not the worst match on the show because there was still lexus king yeah. but this was pretty forgettable um you know i personally would have maybe flipped this with the Carmelo Hayes match just because I thought having the Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams thing after that could have been more interesting because Lexus is like, I didn't hurt Trick. And then Carmelo goes backstage and he's like, Trick's like, yeah, you whooped his ass. He's not like, who hit me then? Right. And it just doesn't make sense. And I think that if you had Carmelo go back after Trick won, they both just won their matches. And then Trick's like, all right, we got to talk if it wasn't Lexus, right? That sets up something fascinating. Um, But yeah, this was pretty uh forgettable ultimately what about you and it came down to a, a dumb finish anyway where you had uh izzy dame who i, I oh my who god <laughs> yes i had no clue the fuck this was yeah so she kind of slid it she did, did the distraction finish slid in the chair kiana hit her finishing move uh the deal breaker as she calls it i love her names for her moves though the 401k which is like a reverse sling blade almost and then the deal breaker, which is the protect your neck, like the knee into the, the leg. She used the chair with it. I love her names for her moves, <laughs> like the deal breaker, the 401k. Uh, she loves her character work here, but it was OK. Like I thought this was totally average. Nothing special about it. You expect a lot more from a Roxy match, uh, in my opinion, because she's a really good worker. Uh, Keon shown some things and she's a good promo and character and all that. I think your comparison to Brit is a good one, like a Gen Z Brit Baker. Uh, I, I agree with that comparison. Uh, I would give this two and a half stars. Yeah, two and a half. I'd say the same. Main event time. Baron Corbin in the main event uh, taking on Ilya Dragunov. The Mad Dragon comes out a breathing fire <laughs> in his entrance. Baron comes out on a motorcycle for some reason. Um, what is this burn the ships deal? Does that mean anything to you? Is that like a pop culture reference I'm missing? Because like that's all over Baron's tights and his gear. And they always they're like, he's going to burn the ships tonight. Like, What does that mean? Like, What ship? Uh, 
Oh, okay. Burning <laughs> Burning of the Ships, where he burned remembrances of his previous gimmicks. Oh, okay. My first new gear with the ships, the burning of the ships, that was my whole philosophy, says Baron Corbin. Oh, look at that. <laughs> look at the facts you're bringing right now. Nello, NXT expert right now, Baron Corbin. Um, I'm in my battle station for work, so I have like three screens in front of me. Um, dude, this was fine, honestly. Yeah. I think what I was really hyped by is I have not seen Ilya um, in actual and, you know, stateside NXT. Um, so how. Yeah, and dude, like he's one of those guys where again, it's like he's so goddamn good. But how do you get him to work in front of an American audience, right? Um, and fuck if they haven't nailed it. The Mad Dragon, the breathing fire, fire, his whole Even thing his of arms like his around with the symphony. Yeah, symphony. Like I, you're gonna be another, um, you know, measure in my symphony of destruction. They have nailed this fucking character. He is so good. He looks like a champ. He feels like a champ. I think that they've really solidified him as a future big time player with Gunther on the main roster. I mean, yeah. dude, you are just printing fucking money, um, setting these guys up. Corbin, it was cool to see him in like a, you know, I know he's been back on NXT and sort of rewritten his character and refocus, less gimmicky, more OG NXT lone wolf. Um, this was definitely one of the better matches. I've like, pro- I mean, I can't think of yeah. a better Baron Corbin match than this. Um, but still like felt like a placeholder title. I'm interested yeah. to see how trick and Ilya goes. Um, just because Ilya feels like, uh, God, what would be an equivalent, like a, a, a Danielson or an Ishii where it's like, you don't get to choose how you work in this match, right? Yeah. You're going to be brought to a level and it's like, you either keep up or you catch the knee to the face for real. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, it was a, a good match. One of Baron's best he ever had. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was standout or great. Uh, they worked a lot around him, dropping his rib, him rib first on the table. He worked the ribs over a lot, did a lot. It was almost too much to where it was kind of unbelievable that he would come back. But he did, and he fired up. And he he's like one of the best when it comes to like <laughs> – the way he wrestles is every match – is like you couldn't pay him one trillion dollars to lose. Like he just he refuses. He cannot bear losing. You know, if he had to die to, to win, he would do it. Uh, I think he's one of the best at that selling, which we saw here. The end. He hit, he hit the H bombs. Uh, he did the wild pose with the torpedo Moscow. Got the win. Uh, it was a good under- match where he was kind of like an underdog due to size, but his fire and tenacity and rage basically made him win. Uh, it was good. Baron, best match ever. Still not great. I give it three and a quarter. I thought it was a worthy main event, but like you said, ultimately filler, and you hope that they can top it soon. Yeah. No, like I said, I'm very excited to see how Trick measures up against Ilya. Show ended with uh, Trick coming out for their stare down, and then at the very end, you saw Carmelo walking out behind Trick, and they made it. They shot it in a very funny way, where it, they wanted you to think he was going to jump him from behind, pretty much. Uh, the way they ended it with him walking out, and then he just ends. Uh, although they, in real life, they hugged after the show ended. So, with that said, we had NXT last night. I will briefly recap what happened. Trick and well, first of all, the first thing that happened was Carmelo got attacked on this episode of NXT from behind, and they were like, Who did it? Who did it? And they had at the main event segment, Trick and Ilya had their promo battle. It was really good, actually. Uh, as some people would say, I like it how they did Trick in this one. Uh, Ilya did some good stuff, 
Uh, and then Carmelo came out and was like, Trick, we got stuff to talk about. We got business to handle. And Ilya was like, Gentlemen, I will leave you adieu and I will let you handle your business and I will see you at New Year's Evil, Trick. So let's have a great match. And then Car- Carmelo was like, No, no, no. This has to do with me because it has to do with you because it was you that attacked Trick. It was you that attacked me. And so he was accusing Ilya and Trick was like, What? And Ilya was like, No, I would never do that. I would never attack Trick and I would never attack you if you got attacked. He, he was real slick about it. And then they did a thing where Carmelo was like, you are a monster and you don't deserve to be the champion. So the, he, they ended up getting a tug of war for the titles. Carmelo snatched it and then accidentally bopped a uh, trick with the, the belt and laid him out. And then the whole crowd chanted Carmelo's guilty to end the show. So, yeah, it's obvious Carmelo was the one that attacked him. <laughs> pretty, pretty much is how this is. He'll probably end up costing him the match at New Year's Evil uh, somehow. And then they'll go... Which is kind of a similar finish to what they did at Halloween Havoc, where Carmelo was about to beat Ilya, but Trick walked out because he had thought that he had attacked him and kind of messed up the match. So I could easily see Carmelo distracting him, uh, and they move on to a new challenger for the next PLE, which is Vengeance Day. But I'm pretty sure Carmelo attacked him. Long, long story short. It would be a great swerve if it actually wasn't Ilya, though, to be honest. It was Lexus King. He gets another PLU match. Yeah. Ha-ha, I lied, Carmelo. Take I, lied. I lied twice. I lied about lying. He's sitting there. He's like, no teeth. He's just face pounded <laughs> in. He's like, I win again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these paychecks just keep on coming. Well, he attacks somebody else. He's now in the rookie tournament, the breakout tournament uh, with, with eight other rookies. So we'll see what happens oh, with Lexus. Yeah, that's where he needs to be, I would say. Uh, not main events, for sure. But, yeah, looking forward to it. What did you think of the show overall? Uh, um, it was good. I'm excited to – like, I mean, it definitely made me interested in watching another big event. I can't say weekly TV, but it was cool to engage with NXT again. Yeah, and they've got a good vibe. It's a lot better than it was with 2.0, uh, <laughs> for sure. They've got a mix of people that are talented, uh, some guys with indie stocking girls. You know, like Roxy, Bud Blair, uh, Carmelo Hayes, and, and all that. Uh, they've got good guys like that, Axiom, Tyler Bate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and some rookies that they're developing. Like, Trick Williams is clearly a future superstar for this company with his presence, the look, the promo. The in-ring's all right. Like, there's some improvements that can be made. But he's made a lot of leaps really fast the last few months. Because for a while, he wasn't even wrestling at all, but he's doing good things. And, hey, this show was a good show, y'all. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the Iron Survivor Challenges. Uh, anytime they do that, I'm into it. The Steel Cage and the Hayes and King didn't do a lot for me. But at Dragon, the opener and the main event were kind of prefunctory, but still pretty solid. You got good moments with Dragon Lee winning. You got standing at the end. I would definitely give this a, a solid recommendation. And if you have time, definitely watch the men's Iron Survivor. That was the match of the night. And even the women's was a second. Just watch those. That's what you need to do. And maybe the main event if you have time. All right. What's the announcement? That's right. Special announcement, folks, uh, coming in. First time ever. I didn't tell you off the air, Nello. Uh, you could say that it's true because you know it is. <laughs> and uh, all the fans out there, I have a very special announcement. They're, the NXT, and it has to do with NXT, their next PLE in February 4th, on February 4th, Vengeance Day, which is kind of a goofy name. Like, What happened to just Vengeance? <laughs> but they are running the show in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is my sister's hometown. And for my birthday, which this takes place a week after, she bought me tickets to this show. Uh, for the first time in 25 years, I will be going to a wrestling show as a fan. Oh, and my God. 
and I will be live in attendance on NXT Vengeance Day in my sister's hometown. She got the tickets for my birthday. Shout out to Cheyenne. And also, she will come on. She is the one who named WrestleUpdate, and she will be on this show, by God, because she will be there in attendance as well. Hell yeah. Uh, coming in there. We will see the first the debut of my sister Cheyenne on WrestleUpdate. Uh, I am... I don't know what to feel because for a long time I really was anti going to shows live because I wrestled before and my, you know, Wolfie D and everybody that, that helped train me, they really implemented in me like, don't be a mark. You know, you shouldn't get autographs or, or you know, merchandise or go to shows. But, you know, I'm I'm well beyond that. I need to grow up a little bit. My sister got me the tickets. Uh, she's feeling good about it. So I'm hyped, too. Uh, and I'm going to be there on Vengeance Day, the first ever event in my sister's hometown for WWE, the first time they ever came there. Uh, I think they built a new arena there, uh, F&M Bank Arena, that's called. It's got 6,000 seats or whatever. So, yeah, I will be there. Uh, we will have a li- our first ever live report edition of Vengeance Day, and uh, we'll see how it goes. It should be a fun time for me and hopefully for all the listeners out there. We got some cool stuff. I'm working on a lot of stuff, seeing what I can pull out of it. We will see what happens overall, but at the very least – I will be there. Congrats. That's fucking awesome. We started off this show by saying Wrestle Update is the family. By the end of the show, we've once again proven that <laughs> Wrestle Update is the family. Congrats. Thank you, Cheyenne. That is awesome. Happy early fucking birthday. That's that's amazing. That's right. My birthday's one week before, January twenty seventh, which I think is the same date as the Rumble, actually. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, should be fun there. We, we will do a show about the Rumble, and then I w- we'll do a show about NXT. You're welcome to come on to chat with us if, if you have the time. I don't know if you have the time for, for it after Vengeance Day, but if you do, uh, you are always welcome. You are a, definitely a part of my family, Nello, as far as I'm concerned. I love talking to you. I love doing the shows with you, and thank you so much for making the time. I know you got to get on out of here, so just real quick, if you got anything to say, any last words, let it be known now. Uh, no, I am. I'm hyped. Uh, probably final battle this weekend. We can chat about it. Hell yeah. And, I'm um, I'm very excited for Athena and Billy Stark. So looking forward to that. And, uh, the more C2. Absolutely. And by the way, we will have our award shows coming up. We're going to set that out. We're going to work that out uh, off the air and we will do some stuff. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun episodes. I got planned and we got planned. So, uh, coming into the end of the year, uh, we got to be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully you guys either took care of your holiday shopping already or you got some stuff going down for the weekend. Maybe uh, you can get some cool stuff on there. I'm on the edge of the Christmas shopping list. We'll see what I can pull out there, but we will see what happens. But hopefully everybody has some good days. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. And uh, we're so glad to be back. We both are. And as always, you know, I love you. And until next time, this has been your Wrestle Update.